0: Hey, I'm Jordan, that's Lauren, and welcome to the His Film, Her Movie podcast. Does it mean that I'm getting old that it takes four days to recover from a four-day trip? Yes.
1: But I can't really speak since I can't even like bend down to put my shoes on after kettlebells last night. So <laughs> we're just gonna get it all together. Yes. Like the sheer effort of bringing this chair through, I thought I was just gonna lie in the hall and just cry because I just am <laughs> in so much pain.
0: So it might be a quite a subdued episode.
1: Don't make me laugh, it hurts too much.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, this is the His Film Her Movie podcast. The podcast where we take a specific subject—well, not today—but we normally nope. take a specific subject, both pick a film and discuss it. But today is episode fifteen,
1: which means that we are doing history makers.
0: Yes, yes, and this time we thought we'd drop into the French Revolution.
1: I don't only you know this part of the French Revolution and whatever happened in Les Mis.
0: <laughs> To be honest, that's probably most people.
1: Okay, that's fine. I just suddenly realised that I know very little of French history, and I apologise for that.
0: (laughs) So, do we have any housekeeping that we need to get sorted before starting with the episode? Uh,
1: No, just that we have had like our week off, so we have been here answering any sort of questions on posts and everything, but we've been a bit quieter on social media. I will now pull my finger out and get busier again (laughs) on there.
0: I think, I mean, we do apologise for not... Um, getting an episode out last week it was just a bit of a mad week but we started the week pretty much late and then we had to go down London come back up and then I had to go to Madrid and I didn't have to go to Madrid. Well you, know, you kind of did. I did, did. but uh, yeah so I went to Madrid over the weekend so it was just trying to get a time to sit down record and get the show edited it just wasn't viable.
1: And I physically don't know how everything hooks up, so I couldn't even record a show by myself. (laughs) I actually don't. Like, I don't even know how to switch on Jordan's computer, so...
0: There we go. You can contact the show. Yes. Through our Instagram on...
1: His film, her movie podcast.
0: Yep. You can do it on Twitter, on at his film, her movie, and you can do it through email on hfhmpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, if you can be so kind, and if you have access to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, go give us a review. It helps us out and tries to get us onto, well, tries to get us a bit more viewed out there in the podosphere.
1: Yeah. So just give us five stars, because we deserve five stars. And then write a comment, but it doesn't have to be like a proper review or anything, even just like the last film that you watched. Yes. That would be fab. We'd like to see what people are watching. Yeah. Um. So that would be great to know.
0: Cool. I think that's it around the roundabout.
1: That is all the housekeeping.
0: Actually, do you know what we haven't said? What? What we're reviewing?
1: Oh yeah, I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> but I thought I thought you had a plan.
0: No, so we thought you <coughs> say so we dip into the French Revolution. Yeah. And we are reviewing this week um, Sophia Coppola's two thousand and six film 2006. Like, Marie Antoinette. Yes. So yeah, we've got that to look forward to. So yeah, we'll have a little quick break for some cake, for some cake, and champagne, champagne, and dresses and things like that. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll be back after the break. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome to Film Bastards, a podcast where three friends, two of them married, and two of them podcasting life partners, chat everything from new releases, trailers, news, and an eclectic mix of other film goodies, oh, and many, many, many tangents. You can find them by searching your podcast provider, or check them out on Twitter and Instagram by searching Film Bastards. But you never know, you might like it, and if you don't, well, we don't really give a f-
1: yeah, yeah, remember me. Yeah, yeah, remember me. My maid knows the cook. Oh, no. <laughs> you know everyone. Mm-hmm. Contest and I it looks very out of sorts. I think her husband's been causing a little problem
0: lately. Spending far too much time with stable boys. Oh, too much.
1: Mm-hmm. Mario
0: looks very pretty, does Yes.
1: Down. I know that. Unfortunately, when you
0: think about this poor man, I think she'll go back to her father's disgusting. And the contest is looking rather dull this evening, don't you think? Oh, it's dull. So, yeah, that was uh, a clip from Marie Antoinette, the Sophia Coppola movie. Yes. So what's this film about? It's about well, Marie Antoinette, shockingly. yeah. It's shockingly about Marie Antoinette, yes, and her husband Louis the mm-hmm. Sixteenth, who were two young rulers of Very France. Young rulers. I think they were nineteen, eighteen.
1: When Marie Antoinette got married, she was actually fourteen. Christ, Could you different
0: imagine? times there.
1: Different times. Could you imagine when you were back being fourteen, having to rule a country? When I was 14, I could barely do my eyeliner. And,
0: Neither could I.
1: You no. Know? And then, like, well, actually, I'm thinking back when I was 14, I don't think I had a pair of straighteners. I don't think straighteners were invented then. And then you're thinking, oh, my God, now I've got to run a country.
0: Yeah, true. And, well, to be honest, if they were that young, that's why they didn't rule a country very well.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of true.
0: And they were very excessive, spent lots of money, um, money that they didn't have really and that's what ended with their demise spoilers for real life
1: <laughs> No, you need a spoiler on Marie Antoinette you have not been paying attention to pop culture history, general knowledge <laughs> pretty much anything for your entire life
0: Yes, so uh, should we start with you? Yeah What do you think of Marie Antoinette?
1: Now I'm a big fan of this film. I didn't see it in the cinemas. It was one of the ones that I think I bought um just I went through a phase of like a couple of years of just going into like shops and buying loads of DVDs. And it must have been like the three for ten pound or two yeah. for ten pound thing.
0: HMV all the way.
1: Loved a bit of a HMV deal. Still like a HMV deal, they'll can't find a bloody thing in there. <laughs> so I bought it then and absolutely loved it. I love the soundtrack to it. I love the colour. The colour throughout this whole film is just, it's just beautiful. It's just pastels and pinks and baby blues. And, but everything looks just so rich. Yes. Um, The cakes. Oh, it sounds so <laughs> stupid to say, but like each cake is like literally a
0: work of art. Oh, absolutely. It, they're so detailed and they're so extravagant. Yeah. In
1: but you, you could imagine that that's what they were like. They were royalty. The cakes are royal cakes. Yes. They look amazing. But I just, for me, um, I knew the story of Marie Antoinette. Um, I didn't know about the whole Camp Fearson affair. Yes. Um, but the rest of it I pretty much knew. And um, it, it's so wonderfully. Excessive film lavish, it is. It's lavish, it's a little bit extra.
0: Oh, very, a little bit extra. (laughs) It's very extra.
1: I just there's parts of it. Like, what I love about it is mainly when you're sitting watching the film, the feeling of it there's like a scene of her and her friends in a boat just on a lake, just sort of relaxing and drifting. Yeah. That whole the whole film feels like that to me. The whole film feels just so relaxed, even though parts of it aren't supposed to be. Yeah. Everything just feels total, like you just languished and yeah. watched it. It's great.
0: I mean, I completely agree. It's the, the language style, but that's kind of repeated in most of Sofia Capora's films mm-hmm. uh, because she that is her style. Her style is very intentionally slow, mm-hmm. but it's not slow in a boring sense. It's just slow. It's like, okay, I'm going to make a film that you're going to play by my rules. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, you're going to like it or you're going to hate it.
1: There's a lot of things happen in the film, though. It's not like the story's not slow. It just it just feels mm-hmm. slow. Do really, you know what? It's really hard to try and describe no. it.
0: Well, I mean, I was going to get into this a little bit later on in the podcast, but what Sofia Coppola does in her films is, I mean, to be honest, I haven't seen The Beguiled, which is her most recent one, so Mm -hmm. that taken out of it, is she doesn't use exposition. No. So that exposition is what, in films, generally carries on the plot. What we are going to do? We're going to do this, then they do it. Yeah. Where this is everything that they're talking about, Is inconsequential in a way,
1: yeah. And I quite like that because it feels very much like those conversations could have happened exactly. It feels real life. And the thing is, although she's in a position of power, but she's not at the same time, she is the queen, she has no nothing to do with the running of the country, so therefore, she's not gonna be like, Oh, what am I gonna do? The most worrying thing to her is. I want to have a child.
0: Yes, I That's
1: need it. it. I need to have a child. She has a child. She fulfills her purpose and she's like, okay, what am I going to do you now?
0: Absolutely. And what you get is these conversations that are quite funny and mm-hmm. charming because they sort of feel real. If you're in that situation, it'd be awkward. Yeah. And do you know what? The thing about <clears throat> film and real life is they are different and the reasons why people write exhibition is because people don't, people react to films differently as they would into real life because they like things explained to them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're too lazy to try and put everything together. But what I like about this film is, firstly, that the first shot of the movie is Kirsten Dunst in this beautiful sort of gown, sort of draped over a chair, a chaise lounge a chaise lounge chaise lounge
1: chaise lounge you can't
0: say it properly chaise lounge you can't
1: say that chaise lounge <laughs> Okay, will could be for hours
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think but... it's the West Cumbrian <laughs> so she's draped over this there's a punk rock song playing
1: she has feathers in her hair
0: She picks up like a a finger's worth of cake, puts it in her mouth and looks at camera.
1: While somebody's fitting her for shoes.
0: Yes. And it's that first shot is sort of like, yeah, you weren't expecting this, were you?
1: I like, that's just it. There's um, so many, there's different songs in it that I love. The costumes, like the the detail that has gone into these costumes. They look like they weigh a bloody ton. Yeah. But they look amazing. They look absolutely wonderful. I go through the whole film and I'm just like, I would wear that. I'd wear that. I'd have my hair like that. That looks amazing. Well,
0: I mean, I think it did win the Oscar for, for the costumes. Um, it was just, they're just that, you know, beautiful. But everything, it, yeah, it is. it is. But again, it's so extravagant because it needs to be extravagant mm-hmm. because, I mean, look at where they're living. It's
1: so beside. Everything was over the top.
0: Yeah, everything was... Up to 11, everything was just bigger than big.
1: For God's sake, there's a gate and a, and a fence around their
0: bed. Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> I don't really understand why they needed that, but apparently they needed a gate.
0: Well, to be honest, there's many people in that room, so it's probably from people get coming in. But yeah, I mean, going back to that first scene, what, what I love is it's sort of like a middle finger mm-hmm. to, to people who...
1: Expected it to be like a normal yeah century because
0: I mean after Lost in Translation she was on a high and again I've spoken about this before but it's like this was a free hit Mm -hmm. and what do people do with that and it's so confident of saying yeah I'm going to make I could have made this but I'm going to make the film I want to make yes and you're going to like it and again it's one of those it's very much a You'd like it or you don't like it film because mm-hmm. I, I understand why some people don't. Because, yes, it's two hours long, mm-hmm. there's no exposition, and it is has that sort of very easygoing style and the easygoing energy, yes. But <clears throat> it's the filmmaking that makes this movie, it's the beautiful cinematography, it's the beautiful setting and it's some really good performances.
1: They're really good. Because
0: it's yeah. it's a classic film done in a very modern way.
1: I feel like when you watch it, I think it's very obvious that it was directed by a woman oh, as well. Um there are plenty of excellent female directors and there are plenty of excellent male directors, yes. but each are going to get little things Maybe they just understand things a little yeah. bit better. I feel like with this one, I feel like it's understood a little bit better, little nuances. Um, like, for example, when she is meant to be getting dressed, it's the first time. Yes. people and everything. I feel that maybe if that was done by a guy, there'll be more shots of Kirsten Dunn's in the nuddy. Yes. For a woman, it's, she's done it so... She's very. Obvious. I think you see a bum, and yeah, that's yeah. about it. In it. it, it's more of the hint of nudity. It is through it. I, th- um,
0: I, think, I think because I think the Fafima light, like, he plays it more in the, the 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 awkward, funny side of it, and the, the just the hysterical side of okay, somebody's getting somebody's dressing me, but somebody else comes into the room who is it's higher not, rank. It's not even
1: that. It's what I was trying to oh, say sorry. was it's the little things, the little tiny deals that she's put in, like. How women would greet each other, how they would how they would remove their gloves, lots of little tiny details like that, that I just feel she possibly gets a little bit more. And I feel like she maybe gets them a little bit more because a guy might be like, right, okay, take off your gloves, take them off slowly. But a woman might be like, okay, right, well, I know how I would have if I had like my nails done and everything, I know how I would have to take my gloves off Mm. for them to be done. Properly and everything, um, and also the female friendships. It's especially around this sort of time. Yeah, there wasn't a. Sh- I, f- I still feel like female friendships in films are still not done brilliantly. You get some that are wonderful, you get some that are just the same tired old trope, in and out constantly. This I feel is done very well. I although they're like the queen and noble ladies of that time, there is a sincere love between each other, which girls have for each other. Your best these are her best friends. When they have to leave, she is genuinely very worried and upset about them leaving, but she knows it's for the best. Yeah. And it's just like the little the little looks, the little hugs, everything. I just feel like it's done better Just because she probably has the same sort of relationships with her friends. It's like she would be saying how she would say goodbye to hers, whereas um, traditionally, and it is changing, men are not as tactile as women when it comes to things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I just feel like she she gets that and it becomes more real.
0: I, I completely agree. And even though the female relationships, when you get into the film where she obviously has her... Women on wait is it women waiting? People, uh, the servants, ladies, ladies in waiting, and <clears throat> even some of the friends where you get that high school aspect of it mm-hmm. as well. Where the best of friends, but right before she sort of turns up, she's like, Oh, he's the Austrian, and mm-hmm. then they're nasty towards the kings to marry. And it's sort of like I like that, it's like social politics going on, the fact where. De Barry can't speak to mm-hmm. Marie Antoinette until she spoke to her first, and she keeps her uh, sort of going for what seems to be like weeks on end. Yes. And it's just like that, that slight edge that's like bitchiness of, of it all. I quite I, I love that little bit of a if she's like what 14, 15, that's how they would act. They would act. Yeah, I
1: don't think it's like that's like very overtly bitchy, that's yeah, like yeah. very obviously bitchy, but even little things like little looks, little gestures, everything, raising literally, literally like the, the twitch of an eyebrow. It all really tells a story in this, and I just feel like... I think it's sad that... like I read an interview with Kirsten Dunst recently, and she said about how she's never really won any huge awards, but things like Marie Antoinette and her other films have gotten... have received greater acclaim... Years later. Yeah. And they've won her a legion of new fans because of the old old films that she did. Yeah. Uh, but she's never going to get an award for Marie Antoinette, even though I think she's brilliant in it. I think she, she's really, really good.
0: She really is. and it, I mean, Marie Antoinette was divisive when it came out. Some people liked it, some people hated it. And mm-hmm. I mean hated it. Um, but Kirsten Dunst, I like it's not it's not really necessarily an arc. It's just a it's a straight line, but going in a different way. It's like I love the childish playfulness of when she was young and mm-hmm. when her the first few scenes between her and um, and Louis the Sixteenth, and Swashman's character is just so delightfully awkward. Yeah, it really is. And it's he doesn't know he really doesn't know what to say. She. Is completely out of her comfort zone. Like, people are waiting on her, like, 16 at a time. Mm-hmm. People, there's maybe 50 people watching them have breakfast.
1: Which I don't understand. Yeah. Well, why do you want to watch somebody have
0: breakfast? That's, that's the thing. It's the whole pomp and tradition of this, what I sort of find hilarious about it. And mm-hmm. I think the film points fun at it as well. Yes, it's definitely. sort of like, yes, these guys had, had it all. But they also had nothing Mm -hmm. because they had really no time to themselves at all. no privacy. No privacy. Um, And and that's a good one. But what I think Dunst does well, and this is why I think being directed by a woman helps, is when it gets into the the, the era of you need to have a child, Mm -hmm. you need to produce an heir, and she deals with that responsibility with it, with the, with her performance because it's very, very subtle. She's not going out. I mean, I've seen quite big Chris Kirsten Dunst performances, which are still good. Yeah. But this is very... they off
1: younger, though, like when
0: she did, like, the cheerleader one. Oh, yeah. I I, I mean, I'm talking about things like uh, Melancholia mm-hmm. and the Last One movie and things like that, where she, to be honest, should have been nominated for an Oscar for that performance because she was incredible. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always stuff behind a corner or just as she goes into a room Mm -hmm. and where she's sort of like all smiley and the life just drains out of her face and you can see it, you can see sort of like that pressure release from her eyes. And yeah, it's, it is, it's a really, really good performance from her Um, and quite early on in her career as well. And it's good that films like this do get another chance.
1: I think it is good. I think like it it's we're having uh, kind of a revival of older films at yeah, the no. moment. We've got that awful nineties fashion coming yeah. back. Eventually it'll be awful early noughties fashion. And then people people are rediscovering films from those eras. So it's only a matter of time before It is kids now
0: actually rediscover. I just hate the fact that we call the 2006 film old. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, no, It is. 13 years ago. It was. It was. But again, it's, it's sort of like, again, but again, it's sort of in those performances and in the direction and in the style of it, it's, the film is not at all afraid of silence.
1: No,
0: not at all. And some of the scenes that, that play out, play out, Better because they're done in silence, and it's just like sort of her walking through her her garden and her um little the little house that she gets. House. Gets gets built and things thinks, like that. What
1: she thinks being a farmer? Yeah,
0: is <laughs> she's like she's she's a couple of chickens and flowers and loads but of people doing the work cheap. for you.
1: Yeah. I love it. That that would be like my ideal thing having fresh eggs but washed fresh eggs. <laughs> Cleaned chickens, everything. Um there was lots of like little bits that I really did like in it. There was um for example in like she's she loves shoes. She loves yeah. obsessed with shoes. Um do you know the original Cinderella it wasn't a glass sim- a slipper. Right? It was actually fur slippers. Okay. But uh it's something like Vier and ver" or something. Both can really sorry, didn't do French, took German. So with that, it's um when it was translated the fur, which is one, was accidentally translated into actually mistranslated into the glass. glass. Okay. But Marie Antoinette has fur slippers. Yes. Fur high heels. Little things like that, which I thought that the Cinderella set at that time, she has something yeah. and You know what? It might be me reading into it, but I like the idea that it's a little nod to
0: the Cinderella story. Cinderella
1: story, because yeah, I know she's not Cinderella at all in any way. No, but but but, it's just I just oh, I love it like her mass ball. Yes, the mass ball outfit. Love that whole thing. I think it's amazing, most beautiful. It's just black dress and black chiffon across her eyes, and like her hair. I just think it's the most. Beautiful, I've seen Kirsten does. I think yeah, she looks amazing. She does. And I just think, I really want that dress.
0: <laughs> but again, shooting in these locations that they get to shoot in. I mean, Lance Record, who was a cinematographer, did a great job because the film looks incredible. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like, I could probably point my iPhone to any of those rooms and it's just instant production value. Oh, God, yeah. It's. Shooting, <clears throat> shooting a scene and having that much detail in the background, it just draws your eyes mm-hmm. and just it keeps you sort of visually stimulated throughout the, throughout the film. And even with a film with as little dialogue as this has, you're never bored. And another thing I quite like about the movie is it's, it's kind of it's kind of oddball because you look at the cast and you've got... I mean, yeah, you've got Cursed and James Schwartz, but you've got Steve Coogan, you've got Danny Houston turning up for a little while... Um, who else have you got in it? You've got Tom
1: Hardy looking like a twiglet.
0: You've got Tom Hardy being young. Um, Jamie
1: Dornan.
0: Jamie Dornan, Rip Torn.
1: Love Rip Torn. Love that man. And
0: it's just it's it's a very eclectic cast that you wouldn't think would fit together, mm-hmm. but but they really do. And um, you have even got um, Rose mm-hmm. Byrne coming into it as well.
1: Is that the lady who plays Morning Myrtle?
0: No. Well, you've or you've got Shirley. Oh, surely I do apologize. No, she, Rose Byrne is the one who comes, who becomes like a best friend with Dark. Hair.
1: Oh, her, who's in bridesmaids. Yes, I love her. I love her voice. She's got a posh English voice. You know, I'm all over it. Love that woman.
0: Yeah, I think she's an Aussie in real life.
1: Yeah, but she does that. She does that accent just wonderfully. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. I love her for it. <laughs> I also really like about how you start seeing the whole world start to collapse. But yeah, they just don't have. They, they literally can't understand
0: can't, what, what's
1: happening outside because they, they don't have they're being he, like uh, King Louis being advised by these people who don't really tell him the truth of what's happening, and you feel like well, I I do I feel bad for them because if this is if this is what's happened yes then it's a case of they didn't know it's like oh yeah people having a hard time, doing this, but they don't know to the extent because they're not being told.
0: Yeah, but I, what I like about it as well, though, they, they don't show them sympathetically. They just show them with with, with with a myopic eye because all they care about is kind of ignorance in a way, but it's like ignorance is bliss. Yeah. They, they just live their own life and because they've always had wealth, they spend the wealth. Mm-hmm. And yes, that wasn't the right thing to do. But
1: they don't but, know any difference.
0: But they don't, they don't criticise them. But the film doesn't really criticise them. Well, it lets the audience make up their own mind. Mm-hmm. But it just paints them as children. Mm-hmm. Children in a playpen of...
1: Money. Of money. And a, yes ma'am.
0: Yeah. And that's an interesting... It's an interesting facet to try and, to try and investigate, like as she does. Because mm-hmm. it's sort of like... Well, people start writing and they're like, oh, why, why? Why are they writing? Yeah. Well, because you've just spent the half of the national budget on... America. America and, like, planting trees.
1: Yes, but she went for the cheaper option.
0: (laughs) She went for the B&M instead of the Mark and Spencer.
1: Yeah, don't knock a bit of (laughs) B&M.
0: But, yeah, and I think those final scenes are actually quite... Stressful as well, the way they do it, because they do it very much from inside the room. You want to see outside very few times. Yeah. And it's sort of like, it's the unknown of what's actually outside. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, I do, I I really do love this film. I love how ridiculously modern it is with its tradition and with its sort of execution Mm -hmm. Um, and i mean i'm a huge sophia Coppola fan as i said i haven't seen the beguiled but i've loved every single one of her movies genuinely like somewhere is great bling ring lost in translation virgin Mm -hmm. suicides she just she makes my kind of movies like I, i love to sit down there and just let her vision sort of wash over me i find it quite Refreshing because it's a different style of what you normally get, mm-hmm. and what I like about it as well is, she's is obviously the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola.
1: Yes, the director the of the director
0: Godfather, Apocalypse Now. I mean, who generally is seen as one of the greatest directors of all, but her style is so <laughs> totally different from her father, because you could easily see maybe with, like her dad being a bit hands on or whatever, mm-hmm. but she, she, she's completely different and has made. Maybe not as many good films, but I'd probably say a bigger portion of her films are better than her father's. Her father mm-hmm. obviously went off later on in his career, but he made three of the greatest films of all time. So yeah. you can't really you can't really compare them in that sense. But, but she's still got time. She's still got lots of time. She's still, I think, in her forties. She's mm-hmm. still very young because I think she directed this in her twenties. Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Yeah, but it looks like it's directed by a young person it as well.
1: It does everything. But everything it's,
0: it's, is. It's, 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 it's that confidence, and you don't get that normally with the people, um, those young directors, um, and it's brilliant to see. And do you know what? If you put it on again now, we only we only watched it last week. Oh yeah, I'd gladly watch it again. Um,
1: for me, like you said, why 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 you love it? Yeah, I love it. Just it's literally just a feast for the eyes. I love the color. I love. I love the shoes, I love the dresses, yes. I love the hair, I love all the fashion and the food and all those little extra details have gone into that. I just look at it and I just think... It's like you could reach out and you could touch the silk yeah. and you can smell the perfume and eat the macarons and yes. everything. That's that's why I love this film. Yeah. I, I, you, you think about... Thing like you see the paintings of like Marie Antoinette, and it's the same when you say see like paintings of people from who long gone in like a different different time. I feel like this is definitely probably more of a more romanticized sort of way of oh, looking yeah, at yeah. it, but it gives you maybe an idea of what those old parties were actually like, which.
0: I mean, to be honest, they were probably way more debaucherous oh, than, they, yeah, yeah. than they could have in a twelve-rated film.
1: Yes, but uh, they were still doing cocaine.
0: They probably were. They were
1: doing cocaine, and there was yeah. probably
0: way more syphilis.
1: Way <laughs> more syphilis. Way more people dropping dead from like their white makeup.
0: Yes, but no, uh, I think yeah, it's a, it was a good choice. Thank you. To have, um, it's one of those films where do you know what it's given the style of it. It's not, I mean, not surprising, but it's like, this is way more art house than you've, you've actually chosen yet. Yeah, because that is a very much a, I mean, it premiered a can, it did all that. So it was like, it's a, it's not a Hollywood movie. And like the fact that you like this, I like that you like this because it means you have taste.
1: Just wait until next week. <laughs> I'll pick something so atrocious. That you will regret ever asking me to marry you.
0: <laughs> Cannot wait.
1: I've got some fun facts. Cool. Okay, so it, they were actually allowed by the French government to film at Versailles. Yeah. And um, during the time they were filming, I believe it's, um, it's either the Hall of Mirrors or the Room of Mirrors was being uh, refurbished, but they were allowed to actually film in there right? Um, for certain scenes, which... They were like, just do from certain angles, so you can't see all the yes. paintwork. Uh, the um, camera crew got to store all their equipment in Marie Antoinette's real bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. In the lineup of shoes, there is a pastel blue pair of Converse. Is there? Yes, yeah, snuck in there. Um, and then I have my most favourite one, Sofia Coppola got... Manolo Blahnik to make hundreds of pairs of shoes just for this film wow just that would be my
0: idea <laughs> of
1: absolute heaven especially as they all pro- they really liked small feet back then
0: mm. so I could maybe have stolen some well, you could have been a princess yourself
1: yay <laughs> are you about I already am
0: you are <laughs> well, you're the princess of Edward Boyle
1: yay <laughs> <laughs>
0: But no, um, is there anything else?
1: Nope, those were my, my little fun facts.
0: Cool. Have we decided what we're doing next week? No. We will think about what we want to do and then we'll give our hints out at the start of next week. But yeah, I think that's it for another episode.
1: Yes, that is us doing another history maker.
0: Yeah, and we'll go back to our normal format next week.
1: So we'll speak to you then.
0: Yes, bye-bye. Bye.